0: Oh, hello, I am Matt Williamson. Let's dig into some stuff. I just kind of have a hodgepodge of topics today. Um, leading off with a lot of like league news and trends, things of that nature and how that affects Steelers, of course. But I want to start with this is Pro Football Focus put out a graph today of every team ranking them 1 to 32. Who has the most draft capital in this upcoming draft you know like who's the team you want to have their picks who's the team that's lightest on picks and obviously pick number one's worth more than pick 20 and pick 20 is worth more than 150 so you get my gist you know like who has the most in the bank right now for the 2023 draft who has the biggest wallet so I want to go through that and the Steelers are pretty high on the list you know the Claypool trade obviously helps So, I want to touch on that and talk about also the teams in the division and the top and the bottoms in that that capacity. As you could probably picture off the top of your head, Houston far and away has the most draft capital. I mean, they have two early picks, including number two. They've got a bunch of Browns picks, not to mention they have stuff in the future that's not applicable here. But Houston has by far the most draft capital in this draft, followed by two other teams that are – Good teams, by the way, that have also have multiple firsts. That's Seattle after the Russell Wilson trade and the Lions with the Rams first round pick, which is an early one. So those three teams kind of stand alone. And then after that, it gets kind of bundled, you know, bunched up a little bit with these teams that only have one first prefer you know, mostly early ones. But the Steelers are in that neighborhood. So Houston stands alone. Seattle and Detroit also near the top of the list or at the top of the list. And then it goes bad teams, as you'd imagine, the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Bears, who have the first overall pick, the Colts, also a top four pick. Well, I guess the Bears don't have first overall pick. The Panthers do. They're next, but they gave up a lot to get there. And then we go Atlanta, and then we go with the Patriots, and then the Eagles are the the teams that are ahead of the Steelers. The Eagles have two first round picks. So, overall, the Steelers have the 12th most draft capital in the entire league. Pretty darn good. I mean, you were a game away from the playoffs. You know, you were the first team not to make it in the AFC. Claypool really isn't missed. And you have more draft capital, more ability to improve your roster than all but 11 teams in the league, most of whom are bad. You know, Panthers. Falcons, Bears, Colts, those type of teams, Cardinals. So the teams right behind the Steelers, Jets, Packers, Titans, Washington, Bucks, and then the ones at the very, very bottom of the league, by far the worst draft capital for this class is Miami. They've got nothing. I mean, they're, they're, they are not going to improve themselves hardly at all. Denver is 31st, also not so great. San Francisco is at 30. They don't. I think their first pick is 99th overall, but they have three comp picks in a row, which is tremendous for them. But they traded for McCaffrey. They traded for Lance. I mean, they're a good team. And you would hope that the Niners, I'm sure the Broncos aren't, but the Niners and Dolphins hopefully are pretty content with their roster. Um, so now we get into some of the division teams. Now, I'm not saying the draft is going to propel the Steelers to f- clearly the best team in the AFC North. Not really how rookie classes work, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the Steelers are 12th, as mentioned, the 12th most draft capital, where the Bengals are 25. They pick late in the round. They don't have any extra picks from what I'm aware of. So they're near the bottom. The Ravens are 27th. They're near the bottom. And the Browns, as you would imagine, are 29th. So I wonder, I'm not gonna do the homework on it, but I wonder if one team in a division is that much higher than their three opponents in any of the other seven divisions. I, I would be shocked if that's the case, to be honest with you, because those three teams are really low in draft capital. I mean, since he's 25, the Browns are 29, and the Ravens are 27th. So don't expect a influx of rookie talent coming into the AFC North outside of Pittsburgh. So, pretty cool. Um, I had one other pro football focus nugget too. Again, this is just a hodgepodge of a, of a podcast today. And I think we talked, well, I know we talked about some of this stuff. I didn't put it in exactly in this light though before. I think it's easy to forget what exactly Kenny Pickett was in his last eight games. And, and I thought this was a good reiteration of that is from weeks 12 through 18, you know, final eight games of the season, Pickett's pro football focused passing grade, which I'll be the first to admit is far from gospel, but his 88.9 passing grade ranked second, second among the 30 QBs that attempted at least 100 passes. Pretty darn good. I mean, for the second half of the season, an eight game stretch, per their ranks, he was the second best quarterback in the league. Now, does that pass a sniff test? No. Was he better than Mahomes and Burrow? No, you know, but he did a lot of good stuff. And here's also, you know, another portion of that. He ran, he also ranked second over that stretch with a 6.9 big-time throw rate, which I don't know exactly how, that, how they define that, but hard throws or big-time throws, thread in the needle, that's, that's a little more subjective than I would like. But he was second in that remor- metric for them. And this one I very much believe in and I cite often from po- Football Focus. So he was second over that stretch with a 6.9 big-time throw rate while ranking first, the very best, and this I take to heart with just a 1.1 turnover-worthy play rate. So over that eight games, nobody valued the football better than Kenny Pickett. And the Steelers won football games, and they've developed a formula. And there's a lot to be said for that. I really do. I mean, turnover-worthy plays does not mean a turnover. Like, if you throw a terrible ball, hits a corner right in the numbers, and he drops it, That's a turnover-worthy play. If you throw a perfect pass, it clanks off, Claypool's face mask goes up in the air and a safety picks it. That's not a turnover-worthy play. What you did was not turnover-worthy as a quarterback. You know, once the ball leaves your hand, you don't have any control of what happens next. But I really like their turnover-worthy play rate because they determine, and again, it's a little subjective, but still… They determine should that should that play from the quarterback been a turnover or not. In the second half of the season, Kenny Pickett was the best in the league at that. So, I those were really interesting nuggets I found on Pro Football Focus, and a couple of little other things I want to talk about on the other side. Of it. All right, let's talk about offensive coordinators. I haven't said a whole lot of great stuff about Matt Canada, but after looking at the coordinator changes around the league, I also don't think it was a very good year to go shopping for offensive coordinators. And this is going to kind of sound like I'm talking on both sides of my mouth, but scoring was down very much in the league this year. And, the league saw 68 different starting quarterbacks. There's only 32 teams. and Some of them had four. So 68 different starting quarterbacks started a game in 2022. I'm sure that has something to do with the, the scoring being down, without question. I also think it's noteworthy, and I've told you this before, that the league as a defense as a whole is getting to the point where they are really spiking in two deep shells, Zone coverage, light boxes, and less blitz. Conservative defense. You know, so you look at a guy like Jeffrey Simmons who just got signed or the Ogan Joby deal, you know. Defensive tackles are having fewer people in the box with them to stop the run. This is true for all D linemen. Fewer people to add to the pass rush as blitzers and two high shells. So people are spending more on defensive tackles, which brings me to maybe a break a tie for Brian Brisset over a corner or a, you know, a secondary member in this, in this conversation. So I just thought that was interesting. And here's where it's a little hairy though, is as once again, I think you guys know this, there are 32 teams in the league. Well, there's 16 new offensive coordinators this year. And I'm not saying the Steelers are smarter than those 16 teams because I have a lot of doubts and worries about Matt Canada and I wish, I hope he's on a short lease, but I think there was a lot of offensive coordinator movement just for the sake of offensive coordinator movement. You know, Oh, we we went through four quarterbacks and scoring was down from last year. Can the OC, you know? So, these I like exposing you guys to some of these league-wide trends. And I can't say this enough. I mean, a huge root of all of this, why you go through all these quarterbacks, why scoring's down, why defenses are playing the way they do. And just, again, watch the combine from a month or so ago. The defensive linemen coming in the league are way more talented than the people blocking them. You know, deep down, that is one of the roots of the problem that the NFL deals with is how do we not make that so lopsided? Remember the one year when holding was legal, you know, TJ Watts getting held every play. So just remember those things when you think of the Steelers, when you think of drafting, when you pay Ogunjobi what you did, you know, like these are the roots of the things, you know, not all the analysts will tell you, deep down the league has a problem that the D linemen are just way better athletes and better football players and freakier than the people trying to block them. And it's absolutely true. And it has a big ramification all the way down and is firing and changing half of the offensive coordinators in the league. Really the answer. I don't know. I do think there is something to stability. I think there's something to, pick its last eight games whether we want to give Canada any credit for that or not but things were going well why be one of the the teams that are just gonna throw it all away and start over I mean that's hard to do I mean it's hard to pull off as a coaching staff and implement that you know from a year-to-year basis so just some things I dug up in the last 24 hours I thought were interesting so we will be back tomorrow and we'll keep some draft stuff rolling I assume over and out